Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather again around your word. We pray, O oh God, that you'll guide the reading, uh, the proclamation, and the application of your word uh, in our lives. O oh God, come in a mighty way as your Holy Spirit came and inspired your word. Come and inspire us today. Come and lead us. Come and show us the way. We ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, the section we've come to in John's gospel highlights the ministry of uh, John the Baptist. And, and the events there took place over three different days. Uh, throughout this section, we see the humility of John as he's going to declare, I'm not the Christ, but I'm the one preparing the way. He's going to say, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize with the Spirit. And then in the final segment, what's going to happen is John's going to willingly let some of his disciples go and follow Jesus. So John's humility is going to be a thread throughout this text this morning. But we're not going to spend a lot of time there. We're going to spend our time instead on the, the three different days that these events take place and the different emphasis each day. On day one, we're going to see the urgent truth that the Messiah is here, so we must prepare our hearts. And on day two of this encounter with John, we're going to see that he's going to remind us to recognize and to see Jesus as the Lamb of God. And then on day three, the emphasis on this day is going to grow out of days one and two, and it's going to be something like this. If Jesus is the Messiah and he's the Lamb of God, then the proper response is to follow him. So let's look briefly at each of these, and we'll, we'll take each segment, segment as, we, as we come to them. Three days with three emphases. John 1, uh, verses 19 to 28, the first day. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed. Notice how emphatic that is. He confessed, he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Made straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him then, why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet?" John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. There's his humility. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. On the first day, we learn back to verse 19 that the Jews sent priests and Levites to find out who John the Baptist was. And the term Jew was used, of course, to talk about the people of Israel in general. 
But in John's gospel, the term Jews is primarily used to refer to the religious authorities who are hostile against Jesus. The Jews sent the priests and the Levites, and they sent them over to investigate John, to see what was going on. Probably they had heard about his preaching. Uh, They had probably also heard about his denunciation of the Jewish authorities. Remember in Matthew's gospel, he calls them a brood of vipers. They've probably heard about that, and they're not liking that uh, too much. The Jews were likely also afraid of an uprising on the part of the people. And if that were to happen, it would bring crushing suppression from Rome. So John the Baptist was both a a theological, a religious, and a political liability. Therefore, they sent the priests, and they sent the Levites, and they said, go check him out. The priests were, of course, the ones who officiated at all the religious ceremonies. They were the theological authorities of their day. And the Levites assisted the the, uh, priests. They were also, the Levites were also the, uh, the temple police of that day. So they were probably sent along uh, as a security detail to go along with the priests. And the priests and the Levites asked John, who are you? Are you the Christ? And John answered, actually they didn't ask it, they just said, who are you? And John immediately answered, I'm not the Christ. He wanted to make that clear up front. Like I say, it's emphatic. He confessed and he did not deny And Christ is Christos, and it means Messiah or anointed one. John surely had heard the rumors that some thought maybe he was the Messiah. And John wants to squelch that rumor right away. He he makes it clear, I'm not the Messiah. Right away we see his humility. The priests and the Levites then ask, well, are you Elijah then? And based on Malachi 4-5, Uh, there was an expectation that Elijah would return just before the Messiah established his earthly kingdom. Even today, some devout Jews leave an empty seat at their table for Elijah when they celebrate the Passover Seder. Further, Mark 1 tells us that John was clothed with camel's hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And 2 Kings 1.8 describes Elijah as one uh, who had a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. So you can see why they thought maybe John is Elijah. But again, John replied, I am not. Well, at least not literally. But Jesus will explain to his disciples later on in Matthew's gospel that in a sense, John was Elijah to come because he did prepare the way for Jesus. But John was not the Elijah they expected. Next, the Jews ask, well, are you the prophet? And notice in your English translations, prophet is capitalized. So a specific prophet was looked for here. They they had in mind a particular prophet. And the commentators I checked agree that this is a reference to the prophet Moses, the one he spoke of in Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. 
There was a disagreement among the Jews about who this prophet was really, but it was a specific prophet that was expected to come uh, in the time of the Messiah as a forerunner to the Messiah. Again, John said, I'm not that prophet. Well, at this point, the, the priest and the Levites are frustrated. They ask, in effect, in verse 22, well, then who are you? I mean, we can't go back to the people who sent us empty-handed. we got to know something. To which John replied, verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Make straight the way of the Lord is a, is a reference to uh, preparing the way of the Lord. Preparing the way of the Lord. In the ancient Near East, when a king traveled anywhere, he had an entourage that went ahead of him. And, and the, those folks would uh, remove any obstacles in the road. If there were too many rocks, if there were too many detours, they would even sometimes straighten the road to make sure it was very safe. They would also make sure there were no easy places for someone to assassinate the king. So they're talking about one here who straightens the road, who prepares the way for the coming of the Messiah. And John humbly says, look, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Which means he was crying out to urge the people to be ready for the promised Messiah was near. He wanted the people to be ready. He was urging them to prepare their hearts, to make a straight path for Christ to enter their lives. Now, that's the first day, and, and John emphasized Jesus over himself, and he emphasized being prepared for the Lord. And so I want to ask, what about us? What about us? Are, are we pointing people to Jesus? Is the spotlight on Jesus, or is it on us? How are we preparing for the Lord's return? Are we personally prepared to meet Him? Are we preparing others to meet the Lord? Are we too willing to be like a voice crying in the wilderness? And make no mistake, folks, it is a wilderness. It's not easy. And like the Jew, Jewish leaders of that day, many people today don't want to hear what we have to say. But difficult or not, it's our calling to prepare people to meet Jesus, to share the gospel with them. That's the first day with John the Baptist. Now we come to day two, uh, verses 29 to 34. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along or we'll have it here. The next day, this is how we know it's day two, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, 
and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Verse 29, the next day he saw John, saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The title Lamb of God or Lamb is used by John more than any other New Testament author, and it's used primarily in the book of Revelation. But this title Lamb of God is a very significant one. And it would have been very familiar to the Jewish people. A blood sacrifice, a lamb, without blemish, was required for the removal of sin. All the way back to Abraham, a lamb had been provided instead of Isaac. Of course, a lamb was the sacrifice at the Passover. Daily sacrifices in the tabernacle and temple included the sacrificing of lambs. Individual people brought lambs to be sacrificed for their sins. And the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 told of the Messiah being like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Of course, the title for Jesus foreshadows his ultimate sacrifice on the cross for the sin of the world. And the world in verse 29 refers to all humanity. Sin is worldwide and Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for all the world. Now, why is Jesus' sacrifice sufficient? And I, I know a lot of you know this already, uh, but we need to take this text as we come to it and, and understand it. Why is Jesus' sacrifice sufficient? Because He's the once-for-all sacrifice. He is our substitute. He satisfies the justice of God. The sacrifice for sins in the Old Testament had to be repeated over and over again because they were never completely sufficient. But Hebrews 7.27 tells us that Jesus has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his sins, then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. Hebrews 9.12 continues, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Folks, Jesus is the only sufficient sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is also the only sufficient substitute. In the Old Testament, the person responsible for bringing a lamb was the sinner. But in the New Testament, who brought the lamb that was slain for you and me? It was God, right? God brought the lamb. Not because God sinned, but as a substitute for us. We should pay the price for our own sin, but God instead paid the price. Jesus is the substitute who perfectly and completely pays the penalty of our sin. Jesus is also the only one who can satisfy the justice of God. God is good. God is kind. God is gracious. God is merciful. But God is also just and holy. 
And our sin demands punishment. And glory be to God that the death of the Lamb of God is the substitute. He's the one who satisfies the punishment God's justice demands. You see, the great joy of the gospel is that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the only sufficient sacrifice, the only sufficient substitute, the only sufficient satisfaction for our sins. But though Jesus is sufficient, and He came for the world, not all will trust in Jesus as Savior. So I want to ask again this morning, have you put your trust in the Lamb of God? Have you put your trust in the Lamb of God? Revelation 21, 27 says that nothing unclean nor anyone who does what is detestable will enter the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written there? There's only one way. You'll never be good enough to have your name written there. There's only one way, and that is to trust in the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus the Christ. Finally, this morning we come to day three of our text, and that's verses 35 to 42. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour or about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Verse 35 again, John's standing with two of his disciples. And you see in verse 36 that, that he sees Jesus. And once again, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Verse 37 tells us that two of the disciples heard John and they followed Jesus. We don't know the identity of both men, but verse 40 tells us that, that one of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And we know that Andrew and, and Peter both become disciples of Jesus. And we once again see the humility of John. He doesn't try to stop them from following Jesus. If, if it was us, we'd probably be tempted. No, 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 don't, don't go there. I want to keep my flock. I, I, I want to keep my group large. But... John knew that wasn't what it was all about. John knew very well that Jesus is greater. 
John knows that Jesus is the one we must follow. No man, no woman, only the Son of God, the, the Lamb of God, Jesus, must be followed. And that's the emphasis of this day, this third day in our text. It, since Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and He's the Lamb of God, of God who alone can take away the sins of the world, the only proper response to Jesus is to follow Him, is to follow Him. So I want to ask this morning, who are you following? And I'm not talking about on Facebook and Instagram. You may follow a lot of people, and a lot of people may follow you on there, but who really are you following? Who are you following? Is it Jesus? Or is it a host of others? Are, are you being torn in way too many different directions? Or are you following Jesus, the Lamb of God? Three sections this morning. Three different days in the life of John the Baptist. Three emphases. Three questions. How are you preparing the way of the Lord? Have you trusted in the Lamb of God? And are you following Him? Let's pray together. Lord, as John the Baptist himself once said, you must increase and we must decrease. I pray that the focus in our lives will not be so much on us, but upon you. Lord, give us the humility to point others toward you. And Lord, I pray that we would prepare people to meet you and we would be prepared ourselves. All of us will meet you. We'll voluntarily meet you now as Lord and Savior or one day we'll be forced to acknowledge your Lordship and meet you as judge. So Lord, knowing that truth Encourage us to prepare your way by sharing the gospel. And Lord, I pray that we have trusted that you are the Lamb of God, the one sufficient sacrifice, substitution, and sacrifice for our sins, the satisfaction for the debt we owe. And Lord, if there's one listening here or online who has not trusted in Christ, I pray that today would be the day they do so. And Lord, I pray that those of us who have declared your name, I pray that we would follow you. I pray that we wouldn't just receive salvation and be your fans, but that we would follow you every day. 
This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace today and forevermore. Amen.